Brother Bachman gave that testimony. That's a very true statement, man. You are blessed to be in a country called the United States of America. It is a mess. I'll tell you that right now. It's a mess. It's, and it ain't, I don't think it's going to get a whole lot better. Uh, take your Bibles. Go to Matthew. Matthew 21. I was in my daily Bible reading. I finished it up yesterday and come across this verse, and it just kept ringing in my ears. And uh, I kept looking at it and kept looking at it. And uh, I went back and found a message I had written a long time ago. And uh, so I was kind of based it off of that, but uh, it's a little bit different than it was then. It's amazing how your Bible keeps updating itself as you go along. And the world, the world keeps changing, but it keeps matching this book for some strange reason. Uh, you can't get away from it. Verse 23, 21, 23, it says, And when he was come, talking about Jesus Christ, into the temple, the chief priests and the elders and the people came unto him. And, and as he was teaching and said, By what authority doest thou these things? What arrogance? And, and who gave thee this authority? Jesus answered and said unto them, I will ask you one thing, uh, which if you tell me, I and likewise will tell the you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. Whence was it? From heaven or men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, he, There's a trickery, trickery. He's just going to get us. Why do you not believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. And, and they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. And he said, unto them, neither tell I, thee, I tell I you by what authority I do these things. Father, again, thank you for your blessings this morning. Thank you for everybody that came out. Lord, thank you again for a country that we live in today. Uh, Lord, it's, it's still the best country on the face of the planet. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else unless I'm serving you. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else on the face of this planet, but right here where I'm at today. Uh, Lord, uh, again, thank you for your mercies, your kindnesses, your, your gentleness, your protection. And Lord, uh, help us to see our way through and navigate the waters that we're in today. And Father, again, we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. During uh, Sunday school, I read something. I want to read it again. The Archbishop of York uh, tells the General Synod that our father has patriarchal connotations. Uh, he is basically saying, uh, he goes, in the opening address to the meeting of the Church of England, ruling body, the general synod, Stephen Cottrell, he's the second in charge of the Church of England. He's the second archbishop down. He's like the Pope's sidekick. Uh, Stephen Cottrell dwelt on the words, our father, the start of the prayer based on Matthew 6, 9 through 13, and Luke 11, uh, 2 through 4 in the New Testament. I know the word father is problematic. Okay. I looked at this in Sunday school and I'm like, Okay. For those who experience uh, experience of earthly fathers have been destructive and abusive, and for all of us who have labored uh, rather too much from the oppression, oppressively patriarchal grip on life, he said. What he's saying is uh, we should change the Bible to make it different so that we just don't make people feel bad anymore. People should feel good. Uh, there's another guy, Dr. Uh, Chris Sujden, chairman of the conservative Anglican mainstream group, pointed out that in the Bible, Jesus urges people to pray to our Father. He said, if the, is the Archbishop of York saying that Jesus was wrong? And that's what you got to get to. Is, is he saying that Jesus is wrong? Or, and on in the article that he wrote, he said, I think the guy should step down. He's lost. He doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, he goes, it seems to be uh, emblematic of the approach of some church leaders to take uh, their cues from culture rather than scripture. If you don't see how bad this world is today, they, these guys right here said the exact same thing. 
But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. Thank you for the, the service that we had so far, the singing service. Uh, Lord, uh, we are blessed, Lord, uh, in here today. If we can name you as our Lord and Savior today, we are blessed. Uh, Lord, one of these days this world is going to end. And Lord, uh, each and every one of us may be a different time frame. You may be still uh, uh, years and years away. I have no idea. But uh, Lord, one of these days you're coming, you're coming back to get us out of here. Uh, either through the grave or through the, through the rapture, one or the other. And, Lord, we're going to be gone, and we're going to be with you. And what a blessing that day will be, Lord. Uh, what a day that will be when, my Jesus, I shall see. Lord, what a blessing that will be. Uh, but Lord, until then, we just got to fight through this nasty now and now. And, and Lord, we'll get through it uh, because you're with us. And, and, Lord, thank you for all your blessings and, and kindness. Thank you for the stories all through our Bibles and the, the teachings that we have through here. Lord, I just pray that you to bless this message this morning, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. A little bit of encouragement. The world has always been bad. It ain't no worse today than it was. Josiah was a little bitty baby, and, and uh, Athaliah, I think her name was Athaliah, took over the kingdom and killed everybody, all the king's kids. But somehow they saved this little kid and took him into the temple and watched him, and he raised him to six, and then they made him king. Uh, but, I mean, the wickedness, that the homosexuality, all that stuff was always there. Uh, it, uh, Ahab had, a, had a, uh, a sidekick that was helping him. And he went to find Elisha, Elijah, and, and uh, he said, Elijah, Ahab's looking for you. He said, tell him I'm going to see him today. And he goes, no, I know how you are, man. You're going to hide ahead out of Dodge. Somewhere. I'm going to get killed when I go. Didn't you hear that I took care of 100 of your prophets, man, 100 of the Lord's prophets, and fed them under Ahab? It's always been bad. There, it's always bad. And then it gets good. Then it's bad. Then it's good. Then it's bad. Then it's good. It never gets back. Uh, I like Dr. Roman. He always said it's like this. We started out on a pinnacle with Abraham or uh, Adam and Eve. At the highest you could possibly get. And then it goes down, then it comes up, but it never gets quite back to where it was. And it goes down. We're like down here now, but every now and then it comes up and goes back down. It's like a roller coaster on its way down. It's like a plane getting ready to crash. You don't know when you're going to hit the ground. But I'm telling you what, the world is just that way. Here's a guy getting ready to say, we need to change the Our Father, what Jesus Christ said, because Jesus Christ is a feminist. Jesus Christ is making people feel bad because he's saying that you should pray to your father. You should, by the way. Amen. I'm going to tell you you should. Jesus is sitting here talking. And, and the, the Pharisees or the, the priests and the scribes come up to him. And they said, but why did they ask him a question? He says, uh, he goes, by what authority dost thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? Now, if you go back just a little bit in scriptures, you'll get the story of Lazarus. Lazarus was sick. Jesus waited four days. His disciples said, he's sick. And he said, yeah, we're going to wait. He waited a couple more days. He's been dead four days. When he gets there, uh, he walks. Everybody's freaking out. Everybody's crying. Mary and Martha's all distraught, distraught which they should be. And, and Lazarus is dead. Lazarus don't care, really doesn't. Uh, at worst, at, at, at best, at best, not worst, he's in Abraham's bosom. So he really don't care. I mean, Lazarus is doing okay at this point. He's dead in a tomb. His body may be uh, getting ready to rot away, but Lazarus is okay. Everybody else is all in turmoil and, and distraught because poor Lazarus is dead in the tomb. Again, Lazarus don't care. But anyways, Jesus walks up. It says Jesus wept. Jesus looks at him. Mary's crying. Everybody's crying. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And he comes out of the tomb. The next thing you hear is they want to kill Lazarus and Jesus because all of a sudden everybody sees this thing that happened and they can't figure out how it happened. Let me just kill everybody. That's the, that's the, uh, the, the idea of the world today is let's get everybody out of our way that could possibly cause us. That's what we're doing to Trump. 
This isn't political at all, but that's exactly what they're doing to him. That's what they're doing to everybody up there. If, you, if you're not going to go the same way we're going to go, we're going to try to destroy you. And there's still enough people, I think, out there that's putting up uh, resistance that they can't run through it completely as they want to. But our country is set up on morals. It's strictly a moral-based uh, uh, system. Your constitution is a moral-based constitution. And if the morals go away, the constitution is basically useless. Because the people's morals is what dictates how that constitution is done. We got a group of Supreme Court rulers now that uh, uh, judges in there that if something comes up that that it, they're going strictly by the constitution. But for many years we didn't have that problem. So let they raise Lazarus. Then then Matthew twenty one eleven, you got the triumphal entry. Jesus comes into the town. They bring a donkey out there. Jesus jumps on the donkey. The, the Pharisees, the scribes, and the, the, the priests, they all know the, 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 the history. They all know the verses. They all know the prophecies out through there. And Jesus comes in, and they take a couple donkeys. He tells them, go get two donkeys. Bring them back to me. I'm going to ride on one coming in. They put their clothes on the donkey. They, they stroll uh, clothes all over the streets. They throw branches all over the streets. Jesus jumps on. It's not arrogance at all. He is the son of God. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And there's nothing wrong with him coming in. He's coming into the kingdom. Do you know right then and there, the church age never had to happen? If they would have believed him. But they already killed John the Baptist. He told him, he said, John was Elijah. If you would have believed him. The thing was set up. As you come through your Bible, they had every opportunity to do the right thing. And the 2,000 years church age, which was a mystery, which was revealed to Paul, didn't even need to happen. However, comma, the Lord knew it was going to happen. You go right through here. He comes in. He comes in on a donkey. Streets are covered with clothing and branches. Donkeys covered with clothing. Jesus riding in Jerusalem, just like Solomon when he came in, when David said, go get my mule and put Solomon on him and take him up there and anoint him king. That's the exact same thing he's getting ready to have. The Lord said, the Bible said that he told David, he said, you will not want for a king to sit on your throne. That's him right there. He, he was coming into the city and the city rejected him. The, the Pharisees said, and the, the priest said, I will ask thee, by what authority doest thou these things? He just brought a man back from the dead. And you're going to ask him by what authority he does what he does? There's a motive behind. Matthew 21, 12 through 13, the cleansing of the temple. I always like that. There's a couple cleansings. I like it when he goes in there and just runs everybody out. This is not a place for filth. You know what this is? This is a place of comfort. This whole world may be crazy out there, but boy, I can come in here and I, I, like, I like my ships out at sea. I, I mean, most people don't. Uh, Army guys and Air Force guys, Air Force, they never really got to do that because you can't put that many people on an airplane and get them over in the sky and you don't stay up here long. But you put a thousand men on a ship in the middle of the ocean, there's just a comfort to know that you got a captain sitting up there and you got men on watch 24 hours a day and you got missiles and cannons and everything else getting ready to blow everybody up before they do it. And then you got other ships around you that's out there and you got aircraft carriers around you and you can just go to sleep at night. The only thing you got to worry about is sinking and sharks because you really have no defense against a shark. He just like eats whatever he wants or she does whatever she does. Uh, but, but other than that, you go to sleep at night. You know what this right here is like a ship to me. The ship of Zion, man, I, that's what I feel like. I come in here and I get comforted when I see people and I talk to people and, and they're still excited. They get a little worried here and there about this and worried about that and, and, and this world comes in. But you know what church does? It kind of comforts you sometimes when you come in and the whole world just seems to be falling apart and you go, well, 
Yeah, it ain't falling apart in here today. And there's still a couple of people singing a song every now and then. And I like that song. Uh, I forget the name of the song, but it's uh, The Haven of Rest. That's a great song. I got a haven of rest. And, and you know what Lord gives us this? You know why you go to church? To get encouraged just a little bit, man. Because you got the rest of the week going to mess you up. You got people that's going to mess you up. You got people going to tell you, by what authority do you have to smile? Well, I got Jesus. What do you got? How come you're so miserable? That's what I want to know. I like Jesus. The temple, I mean, he goes through there. He goes, all that bought and sold. You know, they come in there and making money off of the church. I hate when people try to make money off the church. You say, well, you get paid. Well, I get paid for maintenance. I don't get paid for preaching, man. If y'all paid me for preaching, you'd already fired me. <laughs> you got a maintenance man. Even the bank said that. You got a maintenance man that y'all let preach on Sundays and Wednesdays. That's all you got. I'm sorry, man. We'll, get, we'll fix that up one of these days, man. We'll get you a real preacher in here. But, but all that bought and sold, they come in and, and they had to make offerings of turtle doves and everything else. And people would sit there and sell stuff so people could come in and make their offerings. No, you're supposed to go out there in the world somewhere and work and do whatever and raise your own animal. Bring your animals in and check your animal out. And you brought it in. No, you just go in like the Kroger's get a, a five-pet. Man, I remember I, got, I was sitting there one day in my backyard. Louisville, Kentucky, and I told this story before, but it's, it, to me, I, I think the Lord was laughing at it. I, I came out, and I had a grill way in the backyard. My yard was probably as long as my yard is now. Uh, it was probably a good, my backyard, just the first backyard, not the second backyard, but the first backyard. I had a grill over here in this corner. It's a nice grill, man, and, and I came out there with five pounds of hamburger, and I was going to go back here and grill me some burgers. And uh, I'm, I'm only 22 years old. And I'm looking back at that grill, and I'm looking at the hamburger. I'm looking back at that grill. I said, I wonder if you take this as an offering. I've never seen a whole bunch of hamburger all burn up. Well, I've seen burn up hamburgers. But uh, I, I said, I was thinking all the way back. I said, man, I said, I wonder if you take this as an offering. And then I just saw this, nah, you don't want that from me. I said, why would you want anything from me? I bet you the Lord was up there looking down in heaven saying, what an idiot. <laughs> Look at that idiot right there, man. I said, Jesus, come here. Holy Spirit, come here. Look at this idiot down there. That guy actually thinks he can take a five-pound well, I mean, if you put the right season on, it might not be bad. But, but I'm telling you, he thinks he can take that five pounds. He's actually thinking of giving me that five pounds of hamburger. He goes, let's, let's start working with that kid, man. And we might be able to do something with him. I doubt it, but let's try. Cleansing the temple. You're supposed to bring stuff out of your heart. Jesus walks into the place where it should be nice and clean. This should be a clean environment. It should be an environment where you feel safe to come into, where if you're hurt, you can get a little comfort when you come in. You get a little lifted up so when you go back out and you have to deal with life as it is, uh, it, it is, is what it is, but you get some comfort out of it. They all the bones, so he just run them out, man. I mean, he just, people say, well, you, Jesus is this, I love, 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 love. No, not this one. Not today. Not today, man. He goes in there, he runs them out, man. I like that. Uh, the money changers had to go. They're making money. They're, money changers make money. They transfer money from uh, Jewish money to your money, whatever that is, and they make a uh, cut on that. Then when you transfer it back, they make a cut on that. And they're using God's temple to do that. He goes in there and he gets rid of them. You know, the Pharisees and the scribes and the priests are all looking and says, who gives you the authority to do? Who gave you the authority to walk into our temple and do what you're doing? Nobody gives you that authority. Money changed had to go. Those that sold uh, uh, required sacrifice, they had to go. Uh, Jesus states in Matthew 21, 13, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. You know what our job is? Is to make sure this thing never turns into a den of thieves. 
the best that we can make it, man. Because people come in here needing help sometimes, man. They just need help. I come in here on Sunday mornings needing help. I come in, I work around here all day long, every day of the week, pretty much. Uh, a few minutes here, a few minutes there, a few minutes here, and if I can sucker you in, I mean, I get you to come over and help, then we'll use, I'll use you too. But, but just being around the property makes me feel good because at least I know most people who hate God won't even be nowhere near it. He said, you've turned it into a den of thieves. That's what's wrong with most of our churches out there today. That's what's wrong with the Archbishop of Canterbury and the Archbishop of York. They ought to kick that guy out. What do you mean? You're changing the word of God. Even, even the worst version of the Bible has our father in it. Yeah. They want to get, that's the devil, man. That's who you're fighting against. Don't ever forget that. Then, then the temple healings. They said, well, who gives you this authority? Look over there in uh, chapter uh, 21, verse 14. I'm just going to run through a couple things real quick. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. What's wrong with that? These guys are all mad. They're bent out of shape because Jesus is doing some things nobody can do. They can't do. And he's making some people happy. What's wrong with making people happy? I don't know about you, but I, I, there was a day when I couldn't walk. And everybody else was happy around me, but me. I was kind of laughing too. I, that had never happened to me before. I guess if it was long term, I wouldn't have done it. But, uh, but, I mean, this leg just did not work. It just did not work. I could stand there. I could not move. I could tell this move, leg to move. This leg would do everything. This leg would not do anything. My wife was laughing at me. My kids were laughing at me. Here I am uh, crippled now, and they're just laughing. I'm like, what kind of family is that? I go to the hospital and talk to the lady at the hospital, and she treats me like scum for about the first 10 minutes because she thinks I'm a druggie coming in for drugs. I can't walk. I mean, I can't walk. Do you not understand? If I stood up, I'd fall over. Uh, and, and then when she looks at my record, you know, one of these days, the Lord's going to open your book. He's going to pull your record out. And no matter what anybody thinks about you, or they, they may, uh, it's written somewhere exactly what you are. And it's going to be for the whole world to see. And up there, you know, everybody's going to be happy just to see you there. And they're all going to be glad to go through what we're going to go through. And, and we're going to go through fire, and some will get silver, gold, and hay, uh, uh, Precious stones and wood, hay, and stubble, and it'll all burn up. But they're still all going to be glad to see you there. But you know what? I'm, I'm sitting there going, man, by the time I got over there and they finally, this lady looked at me and said, we're going to fix you up. We know exactly what your problem is, and we know that you're not the typical person coming here as a druggie. I mean, the healings, man, I was excited. She said, in four hours, you're going to be walking again. Guess what? In four hours, I was walking again. And I've been walking ever since. She told me exactly what the problem was, and, and everything was going down. I said, man, what a blessing. But until you're lame... Or you're blind. Brother Yoakum lost sight in one of his eyes. And he's starting to get it back a little bit now. And it's coming. It's kind of still fuzzy and hazy. And, and he's on his way out to Navajo Nation. And uh, he's, he's making some changes in the ministry and the way he's doing things. But, you know, you can't. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a man that's in a wheelchair his whole life. And, and for a long, long time, not his whole life. But uh, blind now, he had another fault that came on, his blindness. And he didn't understand that. And and uh, you don't really understand a lot of things, but man, these guys sitting in that temple, Jesus coming and healed them. You're talking about some excited people. 21, 15 and 6, 15 through 6, the chief priests and the scribes, they noticed, it says right there, they'd seen the, and it goes, and when the chief priests and the scribes saw, saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of, of David, they were sore displeased. They seen people getting back up off the ground, walking, people seeing, 
running around, looking at colors, couldn't believe what they were seeing, blues and greens, and, and somebody had to tell them that's blue. Well, I didn't even know that was blue. I heard the word blue all the time, but he's, that, that's blue right there, but that's blue. Then they, could you imagine the flooding of information in those people's minds right there where all of a sudden their eyeballs open up and they see all this stuff, and now they were a kid, a child from the from birth all the way up, they see this stuff and they, they can, time after time they say this, this, nose, ear, uh, then you come up to them and they poke their finger in your eye and you can't see no more because you've got your finger poked in your eye because the little kids are, ah, they're learning all this stuff. All of a sudden their eyes are opened up and they have to learn all this stuff at one moment. They were overwhelmed. No wonder they were shouting. And the priests and the scribes are offended. Why? Because somebody else is getting something and they're happy. I mean, I don't know why people get offended. He goes, and Jesus said, said unto them, hearest thou of what they say? The, the Pharisees, the scribes, and the, the priests were looking and saying, you hear what they're saying? They're saying stuff they shouldn't. Hosanna to the highest. They shouldn't be saying that about you. Who gives you this authority? I'm like, man, Lord, I said, these, these men are just asking for trouble. They complain, and then Jesus gives them the, his response. He says, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings. You know, the best thing you could ever do is stay as a, as a small child. Don't ever try to be what this world is. Don't ever try to be there. I mean, be there as a strong Christian. I think you ought to be strong in the Word of God. I think you ought to be strong in what this thing says. Uh, but in this world, trying to move up in this world and be part of this world, you do what the Lord blesses you. Daniel, you can see time and time again, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, Elijah, Elijah, all those men, they were around that thing. Uh, no matter how you looked at it, God raised some men up to be around the king sometimes to help him. David had some uh, mighty men around him that became wealthy men. But there's a lot of, there was a, there was a beggar named Lazarus, and he had sores all over him. And he was right there just like everybody else. It goes from one end of the spectrum to the other, and, and everybody can't be at this end, and everybody isn't going to be at that end. There's a lot of us going to be out there in the middle somewhere. And you know what you got to do sometimes? Just say, hey, man, that's, just stay close to Jesus. Because if you don't do that, this world's going to eat you up, man. You're going to see all this stuff and you're going to say, there's no hope. You know why you go to church? Because <laughs> there's hope. Yeah, right. I know, I know it's going to get bad out there. But I got, I got this, man. I got a secret weapon. Called a track. And I went in the hospital the other day. I went in with seven or eight of them. I said, I'm going to get rid of all of them. And God had to give Adam two, two, uh, fatty tissues to get me in the hospital up here where he was at. But uh, I, I asked Adam the day before, I said, hey, Adam, you want me to come up there? Because I figured he's my son-in-law. He'd probably say, nah, you don't have to come up. I'll be okay. Oh, no, come up. I need to pray for me. Pray for me. I said, okay, cool, man. So I went up there and prayed for him. So we're in, in, the, in the waiting room out there, and, and uh, they're getting ready to take Adam back. And they're going, there's four of us, uh, uh, Jesse and uh, Andy, or, uh, Amy and Beth and myself. And uh, we're sitting there, and uh, they, they say only two of y'all can go back at a time. And then they weren't going to let all of us go back anyways until they got him done. But anyways, Adam said, pray for me now. Man, I just bowed my head, and we started praying. And all that. You know, after you do that, I didn't have one person reject a single track. I mean, everybody said, hey, can I give you something to read? And they just took it, man. They took it. Can you get that for me? Be cool. Man. You can take it back to your chair. You don't have to worry about it. That way I don't have to come all the way down there, and, and, and I'll probably fall on the way down. But I was sitting there saying, can you take this? Can you take this? Three guys in a row said, hey, can I give you all a gospel track? They all took them. And I just went right down the road, man, and everybody, and I, until I ran out of tracks. You say, what was that? Uh, they said, this wild, crazy guy over there praying, man. 
in the middle of a, of, a, of a room here full of people. And he's not afraid to say, oh, Lord, be with the doctors. And God, be with, the, be with Adam and be with everybody. Be with Jesse. Be with everybody around this thing. Or give the doctors wisdom on what to do. And you know what? Maybe the Holy Spirit just said, you need to take one of these things. That's the only hope you got. Out of the mouths of babes and suck. You know what? Somebody, oh, no. They, if you grow up, you would. Oh, no. I, I just, I don't want to give one to them because they, they really probably get offended. Who cares? You know they're going to get offended when they get thrown into hell? I would just soon offend them on this side and get them mad at me. And in heaven, they thank me for offending them down here than to worry about them not going to heaven and, and ask me why I never told them. Then Jesus comes up on, on I'm getting really to the mess, messy on a couple of minutes, man. He says, verse 18, it says, now in the morning he returned into the city and he was hungry, uh, hungered. And when he saw the fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only. And he said unto it, let no fruit grow on thee henceforth, uh, forward, uh, henceforth, hen, henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when uh, the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? You know, you come to that fig tree and there's leaves on it. It was deceptive. A lot of times, people, uh, brethren, we should have fruit on them. Jesus, com Jesus comes to us looking for fruit. You shall know them by their fruit. And he came to that tree, and that tree had nothing on it. That's the nation of Israel, basically. Nothing on it. That's a lot of Christians. Nothing on it. It's deceptive. It looks good. It smells good. It looks like a fig tree. It smells like a fig tree, but there's no figs on that tree. They had summer figs and they have winter figs. And that tree with leaves on it should have had figs. Whether old figs or new figs, it should have had figs. It had nothing. Jesus cursed that thing. What do you think he's going to do to us when we get to heaven and we don't have nothing? He's going to be looking. You know what he's doing down here the whole time? He's trying to get us to serve him in an attitude that's perfect. But the Pharisees and the scribes and the priests, they don't care about that. What they care about is their position. They don't want to change. You know what the danger of, of our lives is, is not being flexible enough to change. I heard, uh, you know, I, I, for many, many years I preached on, the, I, I think the gap exists. I, I think there's a gap. I think it's Genesis 1-2. But, uh, you know, really, honestly, how long that length of time is in Genesis 1, I have no idea. It could be 7,000 years. I really don't know. I wasn't there at the beginning, and I'm not privy to that. But it could be 7,000 years. And if the Lord's balanced like he always is, he comes down through, he wipes it out. Verse 2, he destroys the whole thing. Verse 3, he starts it back out again. I said, I don't have a problem. It still fits Scripture. It still looks good. I'm sitting there going, Lord, it, you know, this whole thing is a plan that you've got moving on, and it's going to move on, and nobody's going to stop this thing. They couldn't stop it if they wanted to, no matter how bad it gets. What the devil wants to do is overload us with the filth and the, the wickedness of the world to get us to stop doing what we should be doing. Whether you believe it or not, brethren, your joy, the, 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 joy of, uh, the strength of the Lord is your joy. I probably quoted that wrong, but that's where you get your joy at. My joy comes from knowing that, hey, one of these days, I'm going to be with him forever. As a matter of fact, my joy comes from 1980. My problem was solved in 1980, 43 years ago, when I got saved on that back porch. I don't have a problem no more. All I got to do, I've got a future that exists that I never had before, and I got it that day for absolutely for free. The scribes don't get that. Jesus curses that fig tree. The figs in, in Palestine should have been there in March. The leaves were on the tree. They were deceptive. Christ hates deceptive things. The tree was deceptive. 
and contained no fruit. The tree withered. And I said that, I said that the Lord hates religious people who refuse to believe him. He just hates that thing. Then you get to Matthew 21, 23. It says, and when he was coming to the temple, he comes back to the temple and he starts doing the same thing he did. And the priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, by what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? And Jesus answered and said unto them, I will also ask you one thing. I want you to listen to what Jesus said today. Which, if you tell me, it's the exact same thing today as it was back then. And likewise, will I tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. Whence was it? From heaven or from men? You say, well, that's a simple question. Why did he choose that? Well, he could have chose Adam and Eve. He said, tell me, was Adam of God or was he not of God? Well, that's a history thing. And most people, when it comes to Bible stuff, they'll know the history of stuff. And they'll say, oh, yeah, I believe in Adam and Eve. He could have said Noah. I like, Noah. I like Noah's ark, man. I like the whole story of Noah. He could have said, do you believe that God told Noah to build an ark? And do you believe that, that people could get on that ark or not get on that ark? And do you think God saved everything? And do you think he flooded out the whole world? Yeah, I, that was in history. I've got that. How about Moses splitting the Red Sea? Do you believe Moses actually held up a stick and split the Red Sea? Yeah, I believe that stuff. He didn't use anything. You know what he did? He used John. There's a reason he used John. John... I got. I want to get my note. John. It was a timely. It was a timely illustration. It was a current illustration in everybody's life. Everybody knew John. John just got his head chopped off. Herod killed him. Uh, everybody knew what John was, and he used that. He said, "The baptism of John. Whence was it? From heaven or of men? Have you ever seen God do something for you?" Or seen God do something in somebody else's life? You ever seen the Holy Spirit, the Lord, actually do something? And somebody runs around like a chicken with their head off. Praise God, hallelujah, man, he did this for me, he did this for me. Was that of God or was that of man? See, I, I, Esther, Esther, we took her to the hospital. Uh, and I was in the hospital room. Nobody else was there. I was in the window. Beth was over there. She was getting ready to do C-section on her. I'm sitting there. The Lord walks in. Says, hey, hey, boy, give it to me. There was nobody else in the room but me. You can say, well, Mike, you were crazy. Yeah, I probably was. I probably still am. But he was in the room with me. And the Holy Spirit was sitting there saying, hey, Mike, give it to me. I'm like, give it to you. I mean, all of a sudden, everything changes. Beth's over here getting ready to die. I'm like, man, I'm, I done forgot about her. I'm like, what do you mean give it to you? And he goes, you need to give that to me. I'm like, give what to you? This thing right here. He says, you know, your wife could die and your baby could die. He said, it's time you grow up. I'm like, grow up. I said, I've been doing this thing for 22 years. I've had people yell and scream at me and holler at me and call me everything but human. I've had people go and throw me over the side of the ship. I've had people spit on me. What do you mean grow up? And he goes, it's different now than it was before. And on that voice, I'm sitting there going, he goes, if he walked in and said, somebody else walked in and says, was that of God or man? And you know what happens when you say it's of God? You have to go on that same premise to the next step. There is no stopping. We get saved. Some of us get saved and you just sit right there and you are, you are just as anemic as somebody that has a blood disease. You aren't supposed to just sit there. He gives you something at Calvary and you get saved and you met God and he goes, was that of God or man? You say it was of God. 
Then he goes, good, how about this one? And then he throws something else in your path. And you know what he's trying to do is get you to walk and talk and do just like a little baby, man. You know what little babies, they all get, get come out and they lay on the floor going, ee, 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 and pretty soon they walk and then you regret they're walking and then they start driving. Then you really regret that. Then they move out and then you really regret that because you're afraid of what they're doing out there while you're not there. The best thing to do is never have kids at all. But you got them. Now it's too late. It was timely. He could have used anything in creation, but he used, he used, he used John. He said, let me ask you a question. Was the baptism of John of men, of God, or man? That same question is us today. Every time you look at stuff, it happens. The question was pertinent. The question was, if correctly answered, would have told them by what authority he did what he did. If he goes, if the baptism of John was it of God or man, if they would have said of God, they'd have known everything Jesus did was of God. And their faith would have started growing toward God. And he knew that. He knew that. He pinned them right down. Would have revealed the true author of everything. You know what's wrong with a lot of us is we don't really have, brother, this world is going crazy. It is just getting insane. If church leaders, you say, well, yeah, but that's a, that church at one time was a good church. That church many, 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 many years ago was responsible for you having a King James 1611 in your hand. That church was there. The funds were there. The, the, the king that used that thing was there to make sure that we had something today that we can hold in our hands. That thing is gone today. All across this world, the whole thing has fallen apart. Jesus said, is it of God or man? Are you going to worry about man? You're going to worry about God. You know what? If you put your trust in the Lord, you really don't have to worry about it. You see the things and what you got to do. I told a young man the other day and I sit there and said, you know what you got to do? You got to, there's a couple of verses you got to get down. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. If that's all you got to do is just quote that over and over again, that's what you do. I know whom I, well, the world's falling apart. Yeah, 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 but I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. He is able to keep that. Against what day? Well, that's the day of the rapture. That's the day I get out of here. That's the day absent from the body, present with the Lord. That's the day that he gave me a record over John 5, uh, 13, 1 John 5, 13. He gave me the record, and he goes, here's the record. I know what eternal life is. That's what he gave me. And sometimes that's all you can hold on to. But you know it's of God, not of man. You know this book, people say, well, that's just a, is that of God or of man? I think it's of God. <laughs> I think this thing is of God. I don't understand it. That's probably why I think it's of God. If it was of man, I could understand it. I'll tell you what, I, could, I used to fix stuff all the time. You ought to see some of the schematics I used to use. Huge, man. Books this thick, man, where you just roll out schematics that go from here to the back of the room. And just component after component. And the next page was another one, and another one, another one, another one. And then you had 10 or 15 of those for a piece of equipment. One piece of equipment. And I could understand that. You know what? That was a man. Well, when I come to this book, I'm like, I'd say this day, Lord, I still don't understand this thing. All this thing is sitting here. I still don't understand it. That has to be of God. Otherwise, I should be able to understand that thing like any other book. No, not today. The question was pertinent. They could have had the answer. He asked them a good question. It was a timely question. It was John the Baptist, and they knew who he was. It, was, it wasn't something that you could just say, oh, I did. No, it's something right now today. Was what John did out there, was what John did out there, was that of God or man? Some people believed it was of God. They went down and got baptized. Some didn't. The question was appropriate. 
if the answer is God, this is what they're, this is now there's, what he's doing is he's forcing these people to make a decision. You know what the Bible does? It forces you to make a decision. People don't read this thing because they don't want to make a decision. They stay away from it because they don't want to make a decision. You made the decision by staying away from it. The decision's already made. You don't get it, but it's already been made. And you made it. If, if the answer, here's what they said. If the answer is God, then why are you not doing what God said if you said you believe in John? If, if I say I believe this Bible's word of God and I start reading this Bible, it tells me some things. Why am I not doing what it says? Why am I doing what the world tells me to do and not the book? Love not the world, neither thing in the world. Then, you know the verse? Why am I not doing what the book says? If I really believe that's God. That, that question is just as appropriate today for us as it was back then for him. If, uh, if it's of man, then you will expose your unbelief and you, the people lose faith in you. You know what that guy right here did? I don't have it anymore. I, I, here. That, that one guy said, you need to get rid of that guy. You need to kick him out of there. The guy's lost. You know what that guy's doing? He's trying to appease a crowd. Well, if we take the Our Father out, we'll put our... Supreme being. What are you going to put in there? What, what are you going to change Jesus' words to to make it right? You can't. What he's trying to do is appease the crowd instead of preaching at the crowd. The crowd should be preached at, not taught, not, not appeased. If we cannot tell you, I guess it's the last thing. If we cannot tell you, you really don't want to know anyways. If you don't want to, you know, that's the way the Lord worded that question. The guys looked at him and said, oh, well, let me read that, man. I just didn't read it. It just amazed me. The baptism of John, which was it? From heaven or men? This is the priest. These are the people that are supposed to be religious leaders. This is our churches today. Any church out there that caters to keep people in the, in the doors, and I'm not trying to say trying to help people stay in church. I'm not saying that, but... We do whatever we have to do to get people. That's deception. When you walk in the doors, you ought to know that you're coming in a place where you're going to get preached. You come in here tonight and Joe's preaching, you ought to know that you're going to get preached at. The best he can with what God gives him, you're going to get preached at. You ought to know that. You ought to know that the word heaven and hell is not, you're not afraid. To, I'm not afraid to say my father, our father. I'm not to say, afraid to say the Lord Jesus Christ is my Lord. I'm not afraid to say that. I'm not afraid to say there's a heaven and there's a hell. And if you're going to hell, you are a moron. Especially for all the stuff he's done. That's what he's done right here. He's opened the door to these guys and he said the baptism. All you had to do was be honest. I mentioned that Wednesday night. That lady at the well, when he, he told her all this stuff, she says, give me that water. He goes, go get your husband. That was a simple little thing he said. But what it did is it forced her to show how honest she was going to be with Jesus Christ. The Lord already knew he had, she had five husbands. Already knew it. There was nothing that she could hide from him. She needed to be honest with him. You know how he did that? He told her all this stuff. He wetted her whistle. He got her going. She wants that. He goes, go get your husband. She goes, I can't. Oh, why can't you? Well, I got five. He goes, yeah, I know, man. He goes, and the one you got right now ain't yours either. 
And she, you know what she got? She got exactly, you got to be honest. She got exactly what she came for. Then she runs off, and the next thing you know, half the city, if not all the city, comes out to get it. Why? Because of honesty. The Lord isn't looking for people who know everything. He's looking for people who will listen to everything that he says. They go on. I want to read the rest of this. These guys are just insane. And they reason within themselves. we got to come up with the answer. Oh, well, first of all, you came to the answer. You wanted to know by what authority. The Lord's already got them off that. By what authority do you do these things? And who gave you that authority? They aren't even nowhere near that question anymore. He's got them off on somewhere. He's got them scared to death now. You can't come face to face with Jesus Christ and he don't trip you up. You either come honestly or he's going to trip you up. He's just tripping them guys up right here. You know what's wrong with everybody in this world? They're tripped up. Anybody who believes evolution is an idiot. That's personally, for Mike Elliott, you're an idiot. If you can't see the grass that's sitting here and you think it took billions and billions and billions and trillions for that stuff to grow and you at the same time come up, that's insane. For the amount of mechanical stuff in your body to just happen in nature is insane. Somebody made that thing. You're a liar to yourself. You're deceiving yourself to think that. And you're going headlong into a place called hell and you don't even see it coming. That's what Jesus is talking to these guys about right now. All you have to do is say it's of God and your eyes would be open. But you won't. And you're supposed to be the religious leaders. It's terrible. It's just terrible. The baptism of John. And they responded within themselves saying, if we shall say from heaven, whoa, let me try to reason my way through this thing. If we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, he's going to trip us up. I already know what he's going to do. Why did you then not believe it? Exactly. Because you don't believe it anyways. But there's people around there watching this thing. And they're getting it. But if we shall say of men, we fear the people. That's the worst thing you can ever do is fear somebody. So what if they kill you? You go to hell. Well, if you're saved. <laughs> if you're lost, you go to hell. That's not a good thing. So make sure you get saved before you let them kill you. But, but if you know somebody's going to kill you, just take a minute, ask Jesus to save you, you're done. But mean it. But why would you care? People sit there, well, I can't say what I need to say because I'm afraid I'm going to hurt somebody. But you're going to hurt them no matter what you do. There's nothing you can do out of it. Once you get enlightened and the Lord opens your eyes and he says, the baptism of John, was it of God or men? Well, it's of God. There ain't no doubt about it. I mean, every, everything. I mean, I, I think that thing in, the, in that nurse, in that, in that hospital room that night was of you, Lord. I mean, that black, that black doctor walking around and, and our doctor there and, and Beth was sitting there and all this stuff was happening. And everything just went click, 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 click. And all of it was right in place for you to do a C-section within five or ten minutes. I said, there ain't no way that could have happened any other way than what had happened. Your hand was all over that. And then, then the lady that you put in charge of little Esther, when she was sitting there and they thought she was going to die, because everybody says she's going to die or have a liver transplant. But you kept saying, don't worry about it. So I didn't worry about it. And you you kept saying this, and the only thing I can do is say, hey, I'm going to throw Gideon out here. You do something. You show me what to do. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And you kept telling me not to worry, so I didn't worry. My wife didn't worry. We both thought Esther was going to die. And, and we sit there, and the nurse that took care of my baby while she was in the infirmary at, at Kettering Hospital went to Bible college where I did. I'm talking about PBI, man. She was a PBI grad. 
And I'm sitting there going, whoa, that's weird. I said, you put me in a hospital where this, 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 and you do this, and I'm sitting there worried. You put my baby in the hands of a Christian, and that's even better. But then on top of that, this girl goes to school where I went to school, and she knew Dr. Roman better than I did. I'm like, this is crazy stuff. Then we're talking to her one day, and she goes, who's your doctor? And Beth goes, Dr. Soroff. She goes, oh, he, your baby couldn't be in any better place in the country. He owns this, this uh, NIC unit here. This is Dr. Soros. You got your doctor who owns this place, all these babies under him, and you're his patient. You think you got you, there ain't no better place for him. And one day he's in there looking at Esther, and I'm sitting there, and the Lord said, just chill out, man. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. Don't worry about it. I didn't worry about nothing. I don't, I don't care, man. That's why my hair is not all gray yet. I'm sitting there going, and, and Soros is there, and Beth is there, and Brenda's there. And next thing I know, this doctor is going down the hallway. And Sorrow goes, hey, what was that guy's name? D Dr. Dillon? Dillon. Dr. Dillon. He goes, hey, Dr. Dillon. Well, this guy's from Children's Hospital. He's just over here visiting somebody. He can't even do anything because he's not a member of the hospital. Sorrow says, hey, could you come over and look at this little baby, man? The guy walks in. Oh, you diagnosed it wrong. <laughs> Sorry about all you guys morons, all of you morons. This guy's a heart specialist. And he sits there, it's not her heart, it's her liver. You need to do something with the liver. The liver's messed up. Next thing I know, they fly, shoot her down to Cincinnati. And the rest is history. Esther's here today. You say, what is that? That's God. I mean, I, you watch all that stuff happen. And he goes, watch me, man. Just watch me. Just give me a second in the room. Trust me. Okay, step number one. Then you watch the sign of step number two. Then this happens, step number three. Then there's a, pretty soon you get to the place where out there it's like, uh... <laughs> It's God, man. It's God. And then a year later, we take Esther back down there, and she's all better, and she's getting better and better and better and better and better and better and better and, and worse and better and, and better. And a year later, Beth is sitting there, and Esther's bouncing up on this bed. And I'm over here at the doorway with the doctor. He walks in, the head doctor down there at Cincinnati Children's, and he just looks at Beth over bouncing Esther. I'll never forget it. He goes, we did not do that. <laughs> he goes, that we did not do. He goes, that should not have happened. That we did not do. Every baby dies or has a liver transplant. That baby had neither. We did not do that. I said, I know who did that. God did that. I said, I watched him do it over the last 30 days. I watched him do every bit of that. You know what happens sometimes is you sit there and you let this world tell you what to do. And pretty soon you start trusting them and you don't trust God. And the outcome is totally in his hands. And it may be good, it may be bad. I can't always say it's going to be good. But it's still his. And you know what he wants to do is walk through that with us. And he sits there and asks these guys, he says, hey, is John's baptism of God? And who cares if you said yes? And then he goes, why did you do that? And you go, I blew it. I'm going to go do it right now. You started today. You know what people do say, well, I can't say this because if I do, just like these guys, if I do, I've got to change. If you're so fixed in what you think you know and what you know is wrong, you're wrong. Let go of it. It's not worth holding on to. Hell is real. It's not worth holding on to. Man, I'm a change agent, man. I'll change. Just like I was telling you about the gap. Uh, I got a friend who wrote the book, The Gap Theory, The Gap Fact. Yeah, there is a gap there. I still got a gap there. I, Genesis chapter 1, 2 is there. But I don't know how long that section is. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Yeah. That means it's done. Yeah. It's finished. 
It's working fine. Somebody blows it. Chapter 1, verse 2, it's all messed up. Okay, I got that. Chapter 3 on, he redoes it. I'm here today to show you he did it. Who did that? God did it. How do you know that? I'm here. That's how I know that. Boy, I'm sure glad Abraham, I mean Noah, built an ark. Boy, I could imagine if God, what, what would the next bunch of guys look like that God made if he killed Noah too? Man, I tell you what, this book is it's an amazing book. Our question today would be, is the authorized Bible? You know, they wanted to change this. They wanted to take the name authorized off of it. They just wanted to say it's a King James Version and bring it down to all. That's what scholars today want to do. They want to bring it down, number one, down to the, to the level of all the other Bibles in the market so that they could say, well, they're all equal. Now, this is the Monarcher books. This is it right here. You say you worship that thing. Well, close. It is, it is a good book. It's a great book. It is the book of books. It's probably the only book that wasn't written on this planet. <laughs> it really, I mean, I heard, I heard that said the other day. It's probably a fact. Uh, this, was, this was heavenly sent to us. I don't have a problem. It's, is an author an author? Can, he, can God tell the author exactly what to write and make the author write exactly what he wanted him to write? Well, of course. Then that's of God. You know what people say? No, it's man. Well, then you're an idiot. If God can't, can't make somebody write whatever he wants to, write what I told you to write. Okay, okay, I will. If he can't make you do what he wants you to do, he's not God. If he wants you to do something, you know what he's going to do? He's going to come down. He's going to reveal himself to you. He's going to let you know who he is. He's going to let you know how much he loved you. How much, and then you're going to learn how, how to love him. And then he's going to sneak that thing on you later on down the road. And you're going to love him so much you're just going to go do it. And you just think, I can do this. Well, I can do that. And pretty soon you can do anything for him. You know what these scribes and Pharisees didn't get? They didn't get that. If you say that the word is God, then he will one day say, why didn't you heed him? You know, he does that to us today. We don't need John. We don't need the ministry of John. Whether it's God. You got a Bible. Would God give me something to get me through? If the answer is yes, then why aren't you reading it and listening to it and letting God direct your steps? If you say the words of men, then the Apostle Paul had something to say to you. 1 Corinthians 14, 36, he says, What, came the word of God out of you, out from you, or came it unto you only? If, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Well, I tell you what, if you want to understand this book, you read Paul's epistles, and he makes this thing fall right into place. You say, how long? You just keep reading it, and you keep reading it. Genesis to Revelation, Genesis to Revelation, Genesis Chronicles. I'm almost, all through, I'm almost through Chronicles chapter 1, or chapter 1, yeah, Chronicles, uh, first Chronicles. I'm getting ready to start Chronicles 2, chapter 2, or yeah, uh, second Chronicles. Yes! You know why I look forward to Chronicles? Because I know the moment I start it, it'll be over soon. If you just keep reading it. And you'll get, this too shall pass. It'll be gone. And I'll be into Habakkuk <laughs> or Malachi or Daniel. How about Daniel? Jeremiah, Ezekiel, man. I'll get into one of those. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'll get into one of those. But every now and then you go through one of these things and it's a little doldrum and you sit there and say, Lord. But he finishes, Paul finishes, but if any man be ignorant. Let him be ignorant still. 
You know, the Lord, when he got done talking to these guys here, he finished up and, and he asked him that thing. He goes, and they answered Jesus and said, we cannot tell because they were cowards. They would not stand up and say, no, I do not believe the word of God is the word of God. I do not believe that John's ministry was of God. I believe it was of man. Then you're going to have to look at all these people out here who believed it was. How could these people all out here know John's ministry and testify to it to go get baptized? And you are supposed to be the leaders and don't know. You know where that danger shows you? In all of our society, in colleges, professors, all this other stuff out here. These are men and women who are supposed to know and they don't. And you got people out here, just lowly people out here all day long doing the right thing. And here's a church full of people. If I ask for a show of hands, almost every one of you would raise your hand and say you're saved. As a matter of fact, let me see it. Let me see your show of hands. If you're saved in here today, raise your hand up. Now you look at that. I didn't lead hardly anybody, if anybody, in this room to the Lord. But you all say you're saved. You know what that is? It's a whole group of people saying, I did this and I'm saved. And you know the personal Savior, Jesus Christ. And all these people out here in this world who, President Biden can't tell you how to get to heaven. Uh, Hillary can't tell you how to get to heaven. Donald Trump, I think, can tell you how to get to heaven. I've heard him talk about it a couple of times. There's a couple of them guys up here who could probably tell you how to get to heaven. But 99% of them, I don't listen to none of them. You know what I do? I pick up a Bible and I start reading it. And it's like the Lord said today, Mike, is the Bible the work of God or the work of men? It's the work of God. Then let's start reading it. Hey, Mike, do you think this is the work of God or the work of men? I think it's the work of God. <laughs> hey, Mike, do you think this? No. And a guy calls you up on the phone. Can you help me? Can you help me? Can you do this? Can you do that? Somebody else will call you up. Somebody else will come through. It was a blessing yesterday. Cindy came up. I was out cleaning the parking lot, and she pulls up, and I'm like, that's weird. It's Saturday. Cindy's pulling up in her little car. And she opens her little car. She parks it way up there on the hill, and she comes out with her Bible under her arm. And she goes, is it okay if I park there? I said, yeah, you can park there if you want. They're having men's Bible study inside. They're all mad at me because they didn't have a coffee pot, but that's okay. I told her, I said, go on in, man, go on in. I said, go down there. She was probably wondering, what are you doing out here in the parking lot? Well, I'm getting excommunicated. They're making me clean the parking lot today because I was a bad boy. It's Saturday. She thinks it's Sunday. So she's coming to church. But she walks in the door and gets in the door and walks in there, and it's only a bunch of guys. And there's nothing worse than being in a room with a bunch of guys, and you're the only girl. So she does the only thing that she could. She leaves. <laughs> and she comes back out, and she goes, I thought it was Sunday. I said, don't feel bad. I thought yesterday was Saturday. <laughs> and I just started laughing, and she goes gets in her car and drives away. And I'm like, Lord, if I'm going to make a mistake, I'd just rather err to your side. Beth, me and Beth will be driving down the road. Next thing I know, we're pulling apart the church parking lot. And she goes, what are we doing here? She goes, I was supposed to be going to Kroger's. <laughs> and it's just habit. It's habit. There's nothing wrong with that, man. It's, we on the way home. She's supposed to go over here, and she goes down this road and that road. The next thing you know, we're in the driveway, and she goes, I forgot to get this. <laughs> Why? Because it's just habit. You're driving down the road, and you got two places, home and church, home and church, home and church, home and church. You know what that is? That's the Lord. These Pharisees were trying to trip Jesus up. And Jesus knew the exact phrase and the exact wording and the timely illustration of John the Baptist to get them. And he goes, if John's is John's baptism of God or men. Well, let me ask you, salvation, is it of the Lord or is it of men? 
And if it's of the Lord, you ought to do it. And once you do it, guess what? It don't stop there. You pick up a book and you start reading and say, Lord, what would you have me do? You know, I think, I think Paul did just that. I think Paul had already been coming along. I think Paul, when the Lord said, it's kind of hard for thee to kick against the pricks, isn't it, Paul? Paul had been kicking against the pricks for some time before he got to the road to Damascus. He was kicking. And he knew, so I'm, I'm going to do it more. I'm going to do more. I'm going to go get more Christians. I'm going to kill more people. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I got to do more. I got to do more because I'm starting to doubt what I'm doing. Well, you should doubt, Paul, because is it of God? Is what you're doing of God a man? Paul was coming to the point, like these guys didn't, that what I'm doing is not of God. And when he got to that point, I think the Lord knocked him down on the road to Damascus, and Paul opened his eyes up, and he'd already been seeing Stephen. And I think he was at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. I could be wrong, but I think he was. I think in his position in life, what he did, he would have been right there at that, at that crucifixion watching him die. And watching him up on a cross sitting there praying to God, the Father, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Paul knows, right, pricking his heart, man. He's praying right for me. And then the two thieves on the cross yelling back and forth. And the one thief sits there and says, he's this and get us down and do this. And the other one, and after a little while, the other one says, hey, stop. You and I deserve what we get. Have you ever thought that you deserve what you get? Those two did. But the one said, Lord, the only chance I have is you. And within moments of his life going away, he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Recognize him as a king. Recognize him as a Lord. And the moment he did that, the Lord said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise, and that man's in heaven today. The other one, we don't know nothing about. Nothing was said. 50-50 shot. That one we do. If you don't know a time when you got saved, you better check that thing out. I'm not saying a moment, a time, an instant. There was a moment on a back porch in Louisville, Kentucky in 1980, I sat there and asked Jesus Christ to save my soul. If you can't remember when you met Jesus Christ, just because you're a good person won't get you into heaven. You have got to realize it's of God and Jesus Christ was of God. Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. Lord, help us to never forget and be able to tell what is of God and what is of man. Lord, this world is crazy. It's getting crazier and crazier by the minute. Lord, our church leaders are getting crazier and crazier by the minute. They're trying to appease uh, this world. Lord, there's still things wrong. Homosexuality is wrong. And everything to go with it is wrong. It's wrong. It's always been wrong. Adultery is wrong. Fornication is wrong. Stealing is wrong. Lying is wrong. Uh, Lord, uh, disobeying mom and dad. Lying, all that is wrong. It's all wrong. It's all called sin. And Lord, this world is getting full and it's getting more and more rampant. And the world is trying to change and, and make sin as it's okay. It's not okay. It never was okay. Lord, the whole world died at one time because of sin. And Lord, it's going to happen again one day. Lord, I pray today, Lord, that you'd help us get the sin out of our hearts. Uh, Lord, that we get a little bit closer to you. But Lord, help us to also get to a place where we love you for what you did for us. And Lord, that we're willing to go out and share that, like Brother Tim said during the prayer today, Lord, that in offering, Lord, that uh, have the, the world is going bad, our country is going bad, but we still have the opportunity to go out and tell people about you. Lord, thank you for uh, just the different missionaries and evangelists that we got that, that go out and do it. But Lord, but that's what we are too. We're little missionaries and evangelists to Dayton, Ohio. Help us always carry tracks in our pocket and always be willing to tell somebody that the hope that is within us. Father, again, we'll praise you and honor you. Thank you for a Bible. Thank you for uh, just saving our souls. Thank you for saving me. And we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen.